Okay, good morning everyone. It is fantastic to resume and try to get back to some sense of normalcy. As I already said last Wednesday, we gathered here with the uh, cone of uncertainty and the Category 4 or 5 hurricane coming our way. And in our case, it turned out the bigger hurricane happened inside the house, being cooped up with all the kids than outside the house. But, um, Baruch Hashem. With great gratitude to Hashem, we gather again for our Amunashir. Okay, this is the other piece I wanted to do with you from this new sefer I um, recently picked up called Tiv Emuna, written by Rav Gamliel HaKoyen Rabinovich, or Rappaport, from Eretz Yisrael, it looks like, and a uh, beautiful big sefer on Emuna. Last week we talked about, we have the custom, the really ancient custom of saying Tehillim Chavzayim, chapter 27, the David Hashem Oriviyishi, we've added it to the davening every morning and every evening and uh, different traditions of why specifically that paragraph was chosen. And last week we talked about his suggestion because it includes the sentence, The David HaMelech says, No matter what obstacle I face, no matter what challenge I confront, In you, I can put my faith and my trust. And therefore, we say this kapita, we say this chapter, because what we're saying is, God, we're not drawing close to you out of fear. It's not like we're hedging our bet. Ooh, Hurricane 5, we better do everything we can to be best behavior so that we can endure. No, we want to be close to you because we want to be close to you. So, even if there's an encampment against me, my enemies are camping, I'm not afraid. I'm going into a war. I trust in you. I have no fear whatsoever. And, uh, and therefore, I know I can stand upright. I just... Um, submitted an article, they asked for an article in Mishpacha magazine, it's going to be printed this week about the hurricane, so in, uh, it was significantly cut down, so that's very painful, but anyway, buddy, so, but, but in there, right, so in there at the end I say that, you know, I was watching the whole hurricane, we got my parents a couple blocks away, they have uh, hurricane proof, hurricane impact windows, and they were not here. So it was easy to stay there. So I was watching the whole hurricane through the windows because there was no shutters, there were hurricane impact. And I was watching this one particular tree that was swaying back and forth, rocking back and forth. And with my kids, we're watching this tree and we're waiting for this tree to fall, right? It's swaying, it's rocking. At some points it looked like it was bent to a 90 degree angle and nothing happened. Meanwhile, we're sitting there, all of a sudden you hear a huge crack. And, you see, and, and I turned expecting to see my tree falling but my tree was stubbornly still standing. And it was the tree next to it that cracked in half and fell down. So why did one tree fall and another tree stay up? You walk outside, it's like a war zone out there. Thank God this was nothing. We got a few Category 1 gusts, and this is what it looks like. Can only imagine, don't imagine. Chas v'shalom, Category 4 or 5 or 3. Those of us who went through Wilma remember what that's like. I think it was a Category 2 direct hit, Wilma. But you look outside, it's still not cleaned up. It's still... Uh, it's a war zone. So why did some trees fall and some trees stand? Why did some make it and some not make it? So the Gemara says, Chazal tell us, You should always be soft like a reed and not rigid like a cedar. What was Chazal telling us? Be flexible. Go with the flow. And if you're flexible and you can go with the flow, you can withstand the wind. And if you're rigid and you're stiff, then it's going to knock you over. And I said, you know, if, if you were flexible and you said, look, I trust in Hashem. I've done all my preparations. I took care of everything I need to do. So 
So then when the wind comes your way, you're flexible, you can blow, you can adjust, you can, you can move, you'll withstand. But if you tense up and you're rigid and you're nervous and you're stressed and you have no faith in Hashem, if you get too anxious and too stiff, it'll knock you right over. You run into the winds of life, the challenges of life, they'll knock you right over. So that's number one, is that there's a big lesson for life. You know, the palm trees, which are indigenous to Florida, the palm trees made it. I saw one palm that was down. But for the most part, the palm trees made it because they're designed in Florida, this region, this climate, these hurricanes, they're flexible, they blow with the wind. But then you go for a walk right after the hurricane because that's the minhag. As soon as you get the all clear, everyone has been cooped up all these days, you got to go for the mandatory walk. And you see these trees that are knocked over and you can't help but notice the second difference. What's the second difference? The ficus trees, or the trees that got knocked over, have very shallow roots. They get knocked over and it pulls up all the roots of the whole circumference around the tree. Whereas the trees that withstood have deep roots. The deeper your roots go, the sturdier your base, your foundation, the more the tree can withstand the wind. And the shallower your roots are, the more easily you're knocked over. What is that? That's recording our class. you have anything you want to say? Yeah. Do you thank Hashem? Yeah. Thank Hashem that we made it in the hurricane? Yeah. Yeah. So... So the tree is a metaphor for life and for Amuna, and that's the Bezos Aniboteach. That Lo Yiralibi, doesn't matter what I'm facing in life, whatever winds are coming my way, category one, two, three, four, five, because I have you, Hashem, I do my Ishtadus, I take my initiative, I do my preparations, I, I, I use my judgment, my common sense, I do what's right, and after and beyond that, Lo Yiralibi, I'm not afraid. Let the winds come, I'm flexible. I can blow with it because I know you sent it my way, Hashem. Okay, so the other piece I want to do from the Sefer Tiva Emuna is also still on this capital. It's on the page that starts Taf Yudches, Shifti Beves Hashem Kol Yimei Chayai. You see it? Shifti Beves Hashem Kol Yimei Chayai. This page. The staple is on the left. You're on the right page. Besoch Mizmor L'Davar Hashem Orish Omer B'Chodesh Eloshachers V'Arvis. In the middle of this chapter, L'Davar Hashem, that we say for the month of Elul all the way through to Simchas Torah every morning and every evening. Another beautiful, really central Pasuk in this paragraph that we say, which has been composed into many beautiful tunes, none of which I will sing for you right now. God, one quest. One thing I want from you. I have one thing I want from you. And what is it? Shifti I want to sit in the house of Hashem all the days of my life. Now, the Medrash tells us, by the way, it's not really one request. What do we say? One thing I ask of you, God. We got a whole list of things. It's not just the one. Not just the one. So, Hashem says, how could you ask all these things? <coughs> and the Medrash tells us, the David HaMelech says back to Hashem, <coughs> excuse me, what do you mean? You and Parsha Zekev, it says, Yisrael, the Jewish people, Ma'ashem Sholmeimach, what does God ask from you? Kim liyiras Hashem, Tzneis Lachasim Lakecha, Hashem asks us, He says, I have one thing I ask of you. And He gives us a whole list of things. Tavon Amel says, I'm just reciprocating. I want one thing of you, and a whole list of things. Thank you so much. And here is a whole list of things. So what is the one thing David Amelach says, at least that this Sefer is emphasizing? The shifti beves Hashem, I want to sit in the house of Hashem, kol yimei chayai. First question, by the way, is the, the continuation of the Pasuk. 
I want to sit in the house of Hashem all the days of my life. And I want to visit his house. So which is it? Shifti is Lasheves. What does that mean? I want to dwell in your house. Levaker. <coughs> what does it mean, Levaker? What is Bikur Cholim? To visit. <coughs> Excuse me. Bikur Cholim is to visit the sick. Levaker Bechalo is I want to visit your home. So what's David Amalek asking? Is he asking Shifti? Does he want to dwell there? Or is he asking Levaker? Does he want to visit there? Which is it? This is a famous question. Numerous answers have been given. The most famous among them is the answer of the Chafetz Chaim, who says, he says, you know, I don't know, I lived in Boca 17, 18 years. I go to the beach to go to the Sunrise Minion. I don't know if I've ever been to the beach other than that. Right? How many people who live in New York have never been to Ellis Island, the Statue of Liberty, have never been to the Empire State Building? When you live in a place and you feel like a resident, you're so casual, you're so comfortable, you take for granted the sights and the, and the special places, and you don't necessarily even go there. What happens when you're a visitor? When you're going on a, on, a, um, on a vacation, you get the tour book, and you highlight all the places you're going to go, and you find the tour guides, and you put together the agenda, the itinerary, and you make sure to take in all the sights and all the special places. Says David HaMelech, Shifti B'Veis Hashem. I want to be comfortable in your home. I want to live in your home. I want to dwell in your home. But I never want to take it for granted and have a casual attitude. And therefore, levaker beichalo. I want to always have the mentality that I'm a guest. I never want to become complacent. I never want to become too comfortable. I never want to become too casual. I want to take advantage of every moment as if this is the only time I'm going to be there. But he asks a different question here in the Sefer. Continuing on the third line. Isn't it a little presumptuous? Isn't it a little bit unrealistic of David to ask Hashem, I want to sit in your house all the days of my life. This is an impossible request to fulfill. Has a few responsibilities. He happens to be the king. He needs to be in the palace. He has to govern. He has to fight wars. He has a few wives. <laughs> he has children. He has responsibilities. Hashem, I have one request of you. I want to live in the base medrash all the days of my life. Hashem says, it's nice. You got to earn a living. You got to pay. You got to pay the bills. You have responsibility to your family. You have obligations. So how can David Melech ask this? What do you mean shifti beveis Hashem? Don't you have responsibilities? How is that realistic? So he suggests the following: David The request David had of Hashem. You good? You want to learn with us? Yeah. Okay. Let's learn Hashem's Torah. Uh, what was our place? We lost our place. Uh, for those who are listening online, school is still out today. School has no power. We are davening very hard that power be restored to everyone, especially school. Um, 
כי הכוונה בזה היא שביקש דבר מהקדוש ברוך הוא שבכל מצב בו יימצא בחייו ובכל עסק שיסעסק עמו יוכל להרגיש הרגשה אילוז כאילו הוא נמצא בבייס השם. That's the recorder, sweetie. It's recording our shit. What David was requesting is that בכל מצב בו יימצא that whatever circumstance he would find himself in in life and whatever was occupying or preoccupying him You're right. It's a beautiful interpretation. David wasn't saying, let me abdicate my responsibility. Let me ignore my obligations. You know what? Let the kingdom function on its own. Let my family take care of themselves. I just want to sit in the base medrash. That's not what David Amalek was saying. What David Amalek was saying is the opposite. Hashem, wherever I am, help me feel it's as if I'm sitting in your house. That when I'm at the gym, I'm in your home. When I'm at work, I'm in your home. When I'm in the palace, I'm in your home. When I'm in the supermarket, I'm in your home. That everywhere I go and in every circumstance I find myself and with every activity I have to do, let me feel that I'm a Vais Hashem. And let me not lose my concentration, my intent, my connection, even for a moment. It's not just that Hashem, when do I connect with you? When I'm in shul. When I go to the Tehillim group. When I go to the shir. Ah, but the rest of my life, that's the secular, mundane part of my life. That's where God is not in the equation. No, it's the opposite. What David Amalek's request, and really what's each and every one of our requests, particularly during this month of Elul is, Hashem, let me feel your presence. Let me be mindful and conscious and conscientious of your presence in my life wherever I am. I'm at the gym, I'm working out, I'm doing so to have the energy to serve you. I'm in the supermarket, I'm buying food, not only am I looking for the kosher symbols, but I'm buying the food to sustain myself, my family, to serve you. That the way I greet people and how I function online and how I check out and everything I do is all in your name and for your honor. <laughs> Let there not be any interruption or break. When David... Fights Goliath, Goliath. Ata ba ilai becheru uvechanis uvechidon vanochi ba alacha b'shem Hashem tzvakos elokei marachos Yisrael achshecharafta. Goliath is this giant. He's this giant, and Goliath is destroying the Jewish people and challenges anyone to a duel. And Shaul Amelach is looking for somebody who can successfully fight Goliath, and he can't find until who steps up and says, "I can do it." Little David. And Yishai, his father, says, I have all these other sons. No way, David, the youngest, impossible. And David faces Goliath. Goliath is this giant wearing armor. And David takes out his slingshot and hits him between the eyes, knocks him out cold and kills him. There's a great book. It came out several years ago by, what's his name? Malcolm Gladwell, thank you. Came, Malcolm Gladwell, what's the book called? It's a great book. Uh, David and Goliath, is that the name of the book? Anyway, the whole first part of the book, which is a brilliant analysis, that Goliath probably had a thyroid problem, which is what made him such a giant, but it also diminishes your vision. So Goliath had the advantage in hand-to-hand combat, which is how he defeated everybody, and then he goes through, actually, a bunch of Israeli physicists calculated the speed of a slingshot. If you twirl it around and you're an expert, you can actually make it travel as fast as a bullet. 
So Goliath defeated everybody in hand-to-hand, but he was blind and he couldn't see David from the distance. So the way he flung the slingshot was as if he shot a bullet right between Goliath's eyes. It's a brilliant analysis. Anyway, the thesis of the book, which is a really great book to read, is that, is that David, I think it's called David Goliath? I think I have it in the other room. Is that um, sometimes the one who looks like they're the underdog really has the advantage. You just have to know how you have the advantage. Right? He's got, and every chapter in the book is a profile of another person or circumstance where the person who looked like the underdog really had the advantage. So, for example, the most successful trial lawyer in America today has a terrible case of dyslexia and struggled throughout school, but talks about why, even after persevering and getting into law school, the reason they succeeded so much in law school was they couldn't do the, he couldn't do the readings because of his dyslexia, so he was able to listen, or he forced himself to listen more intently in class, and his listening skills were extra honed in, and his argument skills, and each chapter is another profile of a case where somebody who was, looked like they were the underdog really had the advantage once you understand yeah. what the advantage really is. It's called David and Goliath? It is, yeah. yeah, it's a really good book. All his books are excellent. So here, in Shmuel Aleph, there's another advantage David had. Even though he looked like the terrible underdog, his other advantage was not just that he could fling a slingshot at the speed of a bullet, but it's that he understood that though he trusted his slingshot and he used it as his weapon, his real faith and trust were in Hashem. <coughs> he says to Goliath, You come on me, Becher of You have a sword. You're trying to attack me with a sword. But I am responding. What is my weapon? B'Shem Hashem Tzvakos. I know that my weapon is Hashem. Klomar, You're coming to face me with weapons. And my response to you is my trust in Hashem. What I have is much greater than what you have. I have the nuclear weapon. I have an atom bomb. My atom bomb, my nuclear weapon is Shem Hashem. I put my trust, I put my faith in Hashem. And we too, whatever we're doing, and whatever circumstance, we're online, there's no gas left, there's no water, there's no... Uh, we're worried, the, the forecasters, the cone of uncertainty, we have shutters. But you know what we have? Not only shutters... Not only plywood, b'shem Hashem tzevakos. We have emuna. We have bitachon. Shivisi Hashem lenegdi zamed. Hashem is always opposite in my mind in all b'chol makom or b'chol matzav. The greatest hope of a Jew, the greatest advantage of a Jew who looks like an underdog. Someone blocking the greatest advantage. Yechevet's blocking Yechevet. The greatest advantage. Watch the cup. The greatest advantage of a of a Jew in life is when we look like the underdog, is that we trust in Hashem. Wherever we are, and whatever the circumstance, and whatever we need, it's not easy. What I'm suggesting is not, it's not, it's not an easy thing. At the gym and in the supermarket, at work, at home, with your children, it's not easy. But that's the challenge in life. I'm going to speak on Shabbos Shuvah, which just happens to be next Shabbos, about, uh, we're speaking about Yer Hashemayim, how to live life as an Eved Hashem. That life is not just about my happiness, Life is not just about my pleasure. I'm an Eved Hashem. I have responsibilities. I have a mission. I have a purpose. I have a role. There are consequences. I answer to a higher order. And how to live a life which is charged 
with a sense of Yerah Shemayim, that, that there's something greater than myself. And part of it, the Ramah brings, starts all of Shulchan Aruch. Ramosha Isilis begins the entire Shulchan Aruch. On our Poland trip this summer, we went to the shul of the Ramah in Krakow, of Moshe Isilis. The Ramah begins all of Shulchan Aruch by saying, Shivisi Hashem Nagdi Samid. This Pasuk, I place God opposite me always. And the notion of mindfulness, of consciousness, that everywhere I go and in all that I do, I'm trying to think of Hashem. And, and to think, what would He want of me? There's so many things to think about when I think that Hashem is always there. It's to remember that Hashem always loves me. Never to think inadequate, never to feel rejected, never to feel I've strayed too far, I can't come back. To remember that no matter where I am, Hashem always loves me. But I place Hashem before my eyes always is to know that I have a father, I have a mother, I have, I have, I have a being who loves me, who looks after me. But it's also to know I have responsibility to Him and to, and to serve His name and to advance his name, and advance his mission in this world. And that's what David HaMelech is saying. Shivti Hashem kol I can't go sit in the base Medrash all day, but my hope and prayer is that I can bring the base Medrash to wherever I go. That I bring that attitude and that sense of ni'ila, that high, that connection, that davening, that singing, that I can bring that to my Shabbos table, I can bring that to my workplace, I can bring that everywhere. We continue. <coughs> this is how the Alshach explains the Pasuk, Vishachanti Bisacham. Pasuk at the beginning of Parshish Truma says, when God commands us to build the Besamikdash, he says, Vishachanti Bisocham, and I will dwell in them. Bisocholo Neemar, Ella Bisocham. It does not say, build, a, build me a sanctuary and I'll dwell in it. It says, I'll dwell in them. Vahainu Besoch Kol Echad Veechad. Who's the them? We only had one Mishkan. We only had one Beis HaMikdash. Who's the them? The them is us. God wants to dwell in each and every one of our lives. So, unlike in other religions, where the place of spirituality is the religious site, and outside the religious site, when you leave that, that exit, you're going to the secular mundane life. For us, the synagogue, the shul, is just one religious place. The biggest religious place is where? The home. In fact, the Gemara tells us in Psachim, the Pasuk in Yishayahu identifies the Beis HaMikdash as Beis Yaakov, the house of Yaakov, to which the Gemara in Psachim wonders, what do you mean? Why don't we identify it with Avraham? Why don't we identify it with Yitzchak? Why only with Yaakov? So the Gemara says, because Yaakov had the most apt description of the Beis HaMikdash. Avram described it as a har, har hamoriah. It was the mountain. He takes Yitzchak to the binding of Yitzchak on the mountain. He describes the Beis Hamikdash as the mountain. Yitzchak describes it as a sada, a field. It's a field. Only Yaakov describes it as a bias. Yaakov describes it as a house. And what were our rabbis telling us? That the most accurate metaphor for the holiest place is a home. The shul feels like a mountain, but who could stay on top of the mountain? The shul is like a field, a place of growth, but then it, after the growth, it sits fallow. What's the most accurate description? Is the home. And the Bali Musr learn that the, the, the Beis HaMikdash should feel like a home, but a home should feel like a Beis HaMikdash. We discussed this two weeks ago in shul, when we talked about the Kedusha Sabayis, the sanctity of the home, the serenity of the home, the atmosphere of the home. 
the, the, the home as being a place that re-energizes and recharges rather than drains. The home being a place that's safe and that is affectionate rather than a place that's stressful and that brings us down. So when Hashem says, I want to dwell b'socham, not b'socho, He doesn't say, build me a sanctuary, I want to dwell in it. He says, build me a sanctuary, I want to dwell in them. Where's the them? All of our homes and each and every one of us. The shifty b'veis Hashem, I want to sit in Hashem's home, kol yimei chayav, is not realistic. David's going to leave the palace and sit in the base of Mikdash. So what does he really mean? I want my palace to feel like a base of Mikdash. I want my home that I'm in all the days of my life to be transformed. You have to feel like Hashem is always your partner in everything that you do. He's in on that business deal. He's going with you to see that movie. You better make sure it's rated properly. Hashem is reading the magazine with you on the couch. Is it an appropriate magazine? I mentioned uh, you get up from the dinner table, you thank whoever made dinner. You got to thank Hashem who provided the food. If you feel and you're mindful of the presence of Hashem, Shifti Beves Hashem my house is a base Hashem. Hashem is with me, He's present. He's a member of my household. I ask Him, I thank Him. I wouldn't watch that with Him sitting next to me, I shouldn't watch it. I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't react that way, I wouldn't raise my voice that way. Then you shouldn't, because Hashem is always in the home. Whatever you're busy with, you have to always feel Hashem is your partner. He's with you in it. He's at the gym working out with you. He's in the business deal with you. He's doing the chesed with you. He's in the home making dinner with you. Says the following: That a Jew who's doing the will of the Almighty, so this is an incredible insight of the Chovetz Halavavos. He says, in life, there's no parav. In the kitchen, there's parav. It doesn't have to be milchik, it doesn't have to be fleshik, it's parav. But in life, there's no parav. What you're doing is either a mitzvah or it's an avera. If you're, not in the classic sense of taryag mitzvos or mitzvah saseh and mitzvah slosaseh, the positive and the negative. But it means that if you're acting like a mensch and you're making a kiddush Hashem and how you conduct yourself, it's a mitzvah. If you're doing the opposite, what you've done is an Aveira. Your life is either drawing people closer to Hashem or pushing them further away. <coughs> we have the same insight. The Pasuk says, V'losachalu Hashem kachi v'nikdashti b'soch b'nei Yisrael. V'losachalu Hashem kachi, don't make achil Hashem, v'nikdashti b'soch b'nei Yisrael. And instead make a Kiddush Hashem. I think it's Rabbeinu Bachi also, which makes sense, not in his Chovos Halavavos, but on the Torah, Parshas Emor, who says, well, what do you mean? Why can't what I'm doing be neither? Don't make a Chil Hashem. make a Kiddush Hashem. Why can't I? What I'm just doing is, I'm on the treadmill at the gym. I'm, it's neither a Chil Hashem nor a Kiddush Hashem. I'm at the checkout line in the supermarket. I'm sitting in my office at work. I'm at the library with the kid. 
It's neither a Chil Hashem nor a Kiddush Hashem. It just is. So he answers, no. What you're doing, by definition, is either one or the other. There is no neutral. There's no Switzerland. There's no Parv. There's no in-between. What you're doing is either one or the other. If the way you are on the treadmill, if the way you are on the checkout line, if the way you are at the library, if the way you are at work, your integrity, your honesty, your credibility, the way you interact with others, your kindness, your sensitivity, the way you carry yourself as a Jew, morally, ethically, the observance of Torah and mitzvos, then it's a Kiddush Hashem. And if you're rude and obnoxious, if you're judgmental, then, then it's a, it's a Chil Hashem. It's one or the other. There is no neutral. So Shifti Beves Hashem is not I want to go to your house. It's I want you to be present in my house, in all that I do, in every aspect of my life. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral. B'machshava dibor omaisa, in thought, speech, and action. It's either achieving and accomplishing one or the other. There is nothing in the middle. <coughs> Excuse me. Remez nosaf munach b'pasuk zeh. Shara yadua, there's another hint here. Yadua shavaya humidas arachamim. The shem havaya, the name of God, Yudke vavke, reflects God's attribute of compassion. I want to feel your love, your compassion, your affection all the days of my life. This is David HaMelech's theme throughout the Pasuk says elsewhere in Tehillim, I'm going to find difficulty. I'm going to find hard times in my relationships, financially, in, in health, in the weather. I'm going to run into Tzara V'yagon, Emtza. I'm going to find hard times. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to send out my resume. I'm going to put up shutters. I'm going to go to a therapist. But you know what I'm going to do? B'shem Hashem Ekra. I'm going to call out to the name of Hashem. Not B'shem Elohim Ekra. B'shem Hashem Ekra. Elohim is Midas Adin. Elohim is the attribute of God, which is judgment. But Hashem is Midas Arachamim. God, you're my father. I'm coming to you not as the king. I'm coming to you as my tati, as my Abba, as my father. What kind of father doesn't respond to a child who calls out to him. No matter how neglectful that child's been, no matter how disrespectful that child's been, you know, maybe the father afterwards is going to give a little, you know, musr, a little shtuch. I see you only remember me when you need me to put money on your debit card. You only, you only call me when you need me to, whatever. I hope my kids are listening to this, but they don't listen to this. The, right, you give afterwards a little musr. But even if the child has neglected the parent for a long time or been disrespectful to the parent, but if the child screams, Dad, I need you! What father says, well, I'd like to talk about how you've been neglecting me before a child is pinned under a car. A child is uh, stuck outside in a hurricane. A child is screaming, Abba, I need you. I'd like to talk first about uh, the fact that you... No, a father runs, responds. So that's our father. That no matter what, whatever difficulty, whatever hardship we find, I call out to you, Hashem. Mitzad Sheini, on the other hand, Kos Yeshua Sessa, Uveshem Hashem Ekra. Kos Yeshua Sessa. 
I raise the cup of salvation. And what do I do? I make a toast. To whom do I make the toast? B'shem Hashem Ekra. I call out the name of Hashem. So, a category five is heading your way. Sarav Yogon Emsa, Uwa, we found the cone of uncertainty. B'shem Hashem Ekra. And then it shifts, it moves, and we continue to daven for the people who it hit. In the Keys and Naples and the west coast of Florida and Atlanta. We continue to daven for them. But at the same time, we here on Montoya Circle and in Boca Raton, who never even lost power, we davened as a community before and we thank Hashem as a community afterwards. We make a toast. We raise our glass of salvation. And who do we toast? B'Shem Hashem. Whether it's in challenging times or whether it's in times of salvation, we always see Hashem's kindness. Hashem, we appeal to your kindness during the challenging time, and we thank you for your kindness after the challenging time. This Mishpacha article that they edited out, I'm going to insist that they, I'm going to ask. They put back this one paragraph about how afterwards we, we show our thanks to Hashem. Because, you know, we, we organize Tehillim rallies and we sign people up for Tehillim and we do all kinds of things in the moment of crisis. And then when it's over, you know, I've told the story a thousand times about the, the guy circling, I mentioned it last night, the guy who has the major interview and he can't find the parking spot and he's circling and circling and he says, Hashem, give me a great parking spot and I'll do anything, I'll become a Baltstaka and I'll, I'll daven and I'll be the perfect Jew. And just then the parking spot in front of the building opens up and he looks up and he says, you know, Hashem, never mind, I found one. <laughs> so can you imagine? Afterwards we say at the hurricane, Hashem, Never mind, it switched directions. The Tehillim rally? Never mind, it moved, it wobbled. What do you mean, never mind? Who do you think made it wobble? Who do you think took us out of the cone of uncertainty? Okay, I understand the theological dilemma that others davened and they weren't removed from the cone of uncertainty. It's it's not simple. But it doesn't take away from the fact that we, we need to raise a glass. We have to show our gratitude after the fact. We have to be machanech our children. That you don't just say the Tehillim before. You say the Tehillim afterwards. And therefore this paragraph was established to recite twice a day throughout Elul. And in the high holidays. If we want to persevere in judgment... A week from tomorrow, wow. a week from tomorrow will be the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Machios, Shofros, Zichronos, we kick off the Aserasi Mechuva. This Saturday night we start Slichos, soon it'll be in Ye'ila. If we want to persevere, we want to be written and signed. I saw somebody uh, wrote a Gadol they used to ask after Yom Kippur at the breakfast, Nu, how was your Yontif? And he say, I'll tell you next Yom Kippur. I'll tell you next Rosh Hashanah. Right. I don't know. You want, you want to know how it went? The AC was working. My fast was okay. The chazam was decent. The rabbi gave a beautiful drasha. You want to know how it was? I'll tell you next Rosh Hashanah when I can tell you how the year went. Yeah. So if we want to be able to say what a great year that we had, we want to be signed, sealed, and delivered for a great year. This is the paragraph. Shifti beves Hashem, that we transform all aspects of our lives, that Hashem is present. He's at work, he's at home, he's in the gym, he's at the supermarket. And that we reach out to Hashem, the Vais Hashem, not Vais Elohim, that Sarah the Yogon Emsa, but Peshem Hashem Akra.
whatever challenge we find ourselves, among all of our other initiative and preparation, among all the other actions we take, we daven b'shem Hashem ekra, and afterwards, kos Yeshua asar b'shem Hashem ekra, that we make a toast to the who has showered His kindness upon us. Have a great day. I think we're off next Wednesday. I think we'll be off next Wednesday. Okay.